Tune into another episode of Radio Free HBC, the show where we talk about supercomputing, high performance computing, and a variety of high tech topics. I'm Dan Olds from Intersect 360 Research, joined as always by my co hosts Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions and Ben Carr, HPC expert. In association with our media partner, HPC Wire, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another semi-scintillating, maybe even maximally scintillating episode of Radio Free HBC. I'm Dan Olds, and we've got some new personnel on board. But first, the old personnel. we got Henry Newman speaking to us live from his survivalist compound in Las Cruces, New Mexico. How's it going, Henry? I'm doing well, Dan. And just a reminder to the listeners, I'm in Mesilla, not Las Cruces. Same zip code as Las Cruces. No, it is not, Dan. There are Las Cruces addresses in your zip code. No, there are not. Look at every damn one of them, Henry. I spreadsheeted <laughs> this out. I went hard on this. Okay. Just to be able to make that statement. Anyway, welcome to Henry and plucked from listener dumb is a new co-host, Ben Carr. Ben, how are you? I'm fine, and I'd like to say, Dan, do not use an Excel sheet where a database should be used. That's a good point. That's a pro tip right there. <laughs> right there, right off the bat, you're adding value. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been kicking around the HPC space in government, NGOs, and corporate world for about 20 years. I cut my teeth on... Tons of different package managers and schedulers, and I've unfortunately listened to every podcast you've put out, Dan. You have, and you've entered every contest, and the only and one it, you won... No, 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 I entered every contest multiple times, or at least tried did, to. Yes, you did try and game it multiple times. We observed that, but you were a big third prize winner in our last contest. I did. I did. I even got a ready kilowatt bolo tie, which my wife says if I ever wear, I'm getting divorced. And a ton of my old lanyards, too. That's true. Oh, that's oh, wait, true. Ben, ben I yes. could use a ready kilowatt bolo tie. It would go with some of my outfits. Um, is there any chance I could buy that from you? Yes. Do I send it to the uh, survivalist bunker or an actual address? Survivalist bunker. Yes. Well, well uh, I'll send over avian, avian uh, carrier pigeon. Well, and Henry put such a screw job to their local electric utility with his massive solar deployment that they nearly end up owing him money. Oh, they do owe me money, Dan. I'm down. The original bill was $450 before they turned solar on. And we are down to 176 total payments since... Uh, May of 2020. That's amazing. So that's, that is what? Eight bucks a month, roughly? Seven bucks yeah. a month? Somewhere in the vicinity? I should get another 15 or 20 back, bucks back from last month. Uh, so it'll be down to about 150. It's going down. We're, they're going to start paying me money by, I calculate, by March of next year. I'll be cash flow positive with the electric company. Fantastic. You know who else is going down? 
in my book, NIST. Because they have some problems. It seems that one of their candidates for the new standard was cracked by, and Ben, you brought this up to us. Let me make sure I've got this right. By a single core on a five-year-old Intel Pentium processor. Oh, no, not Pentium. At least it was Xeon, but it was still a single core. Two gigahertz Xeon core. Four minutes for the first algorithm, half an hour for the other, and a couple hours for their best algorithm is all they got. So if you're afraid of quantum, be afraid of today. Actually, be afraid of five years ago. Right. They didn't spend... Nobody, but wait a minute, Ben. No one's using that processor anymore, so we're safe, right? Oh, no, wait a minute. The new ones are better. Uh-oh. Yes. Just imagine if these academics could actually thread their code, they could probably get from four minutes to 30 seconds. <laughs> so there's still some optimization to be done. Or perhaps well, a Takuda. <laughs> well, they've been look, working on these algorithms for probably about 10 years. And as I've said before on this show, and Ben, you've heard me, it takes, you know, in a best case scenario, when a new algorithm comes out, to get it into an ASIC and then get it spun and get it tested into a product, best case, I would say, today is six years. So if we don't think we're going to have quantum by the end of this decade, or what if we have quantum in the middle of next decade? Well, there are products out there that last five and ten years that are out in the field. We've got a real problem, a real big problem. So their top three candidates are complete non-starters then? One candidate, as we know. It was just one candidate? It was one candidate. It was the the Psyche, for lack of uh, proper pronunciation, S-I-K-E, had a couple of different algorithms in it. All of them were crackable. Okay. That's not good. No. That's not good at all. That's, huh. So what explains this major incompetence? I don't know the answer to that, Dan, but I will say on a, a, a regular side note, NIST put out the FIPS 140-3, which is the government encryption standard, uh, and you could submit to the government encryption standard starting September 21st, 2020. Uh, I think we did in the pre-call, uh, as we've done before, and the answer is that I asked you to, how many, how many products have been uh, certified as of today, and today being August 8th, and the answer is zero. There have been hundreds and hundreds of submissions and not a single certification or rejection. There's been nothing. Hmm. So That's this is not bad. good. This is well, bad for industry. It's bad for the government. It's bad for everybody. You're spinning this the wrong way, Henry. This was supposed to be quantum, quantum resistant encryption. <laughs> nothing about von Neumann or any other traditional technology. It's nothing about Xeon. Right. Well, my, exactly. So my, mission accomplished. Oh, I, oh, I get what you're saying now. I, remember, I'm a little literal, man. You don't know that, but um, my point is that NIST to get quantum resistant algorithms, given their it's either a lack of desire or a lack of resources or whatever the lack is, we're in a world of trouble. Because the yeah. nation is going to have a quantum 
quantum system and we're not going to have any defenses. That's frightening because if someone gets, if the bad guys get to quantum before us, I truly think that that's the end of life as we know it. Because your whole banking, government, commerce systems are suddenly all completely wide open. Correct. And I don't want to put too much of a, a hyperbole in there. But again, life as we know it will be over. Right. Um, uh, what I've heard people are starting to talk about is two non-quantum resistant algorithms. So uh, they, they, they don't tell you what they are and that that's how data will be encrypted. And, it, ben, and networks will be encrypted. Weigh in, Ben. I've heard of chaining two algorithms together to get more resistance. Um, you know, D-Wave just went public today. So that lets you know how long it took us to get this on the web. Um, but D-Wave, the, the qubit uh, quantum computer just went public today. And, you know, if the market is ready to fund it, we're, we're looking at rapidly accelerating once, once the venture capitalists get their, their hooks into it. We're, we're going to see quantum sooner rather than later. Who has it? Who doesn't? Who's on the top 500? You know, it's all up in the air right now. And our data is no longer secure at this point. Who? Well... I don't know. I don't believe my data has been secure for a long time. But oh, have you, you know, have I been pwned? I, I was pwned once by some Russians, but all their system did, it was a zero-day root kit, and this was years ago, but all they did was play, like, Russian music through my system randomly. That was it. There was nothing else. It's one of these things that I had a full support contract with a company I won't name, except it rhymes with Horton, and uh, let them take over my system for two, three days. And they came back and said, hey, Bob, you got us. And I said, well, what about your always fixed guarantee? They said, well, we will cheerfully refund your money. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yeah, yeah, but fortunately, and- I had backups going back 60 days. So just got to a backup that didn't have it and have driven on since. Backups can take us right into our next discussion. That's a hell of a segue. I'm not sure how. So take us the rest of the way there. Yes. So there's there's rumors out there that Flash is going to eat our lunch. And I have a strong opinion that Flash may someday eat our lunch, but we need much much larger bit depths in our flash. It'll take down a lot of the, the write capacity, but to really store the exabytes that we're generating, hard drives are going to be around for a while. And I would say our, the zettabytes, last year hard drive uh, amount of uh, hard drive, enterprise hard drives that went out the door was 1.1 zettabyte. The amount of <laughs> exabytes of flash I heard was 79 uh, exabytes. So there's a good order of magnitude and change that's got to be done. And even if you can do it and get more bit density and deal with the, the issues with bit density, because there are issues of reliability and oh, yeah. bit flipping and all kinds of stuff like that, and you have to keep them powered up, um, there's a big, big billion, hundreds of billions of dollars investment you're going to have to do in NAND plants to go te- over 10x. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's going to be a while. I would agree too. Um, 
There was talk yeah. on the interwebs, and I can find the link if we need it, um, that five that uh, five bit five bit oh god five layer what am I trying to say QLC is quad layer five layer pentalayer um, was going to allow write once read many at extremely high density but you have to keep it powered up and have power on it at a regular basis or you lose the charge in those bits in that and you have to have more error correction because of bit flips in general, so you're not getting the density improvement as a function of just one more bit per cell. Just mm. FYI. So you're only part point. of that. That's a good point. That's a good point. But you so know, wait, go ahead, Henry. Are you saying tape is going to survive even longer? No. No. Tape. Oh. He, Henry declared tape dead. I forget yeah. which show, but he declared it dead at one point. Ben, you should at your age. You should be able to memorize all the shows and what I say on every show. I thought you, you're so much younger than Dan and I. I figured you could do that. I, I unfortunately spent my youth as a tape monkey, so I, I've I've worn out a lot of my joints, my my ability to my cognition. That really takes it out of the calcium, the the cartilage, and all of that. You've got tape arthritis or tape arthritis, as they call it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> A lot of bending over, a lot of reaching up. I mean, you were essentially a human, uh, what do they call those things? A human mounter. And let me tell you, you only stick your hand into an LTO drive so many times before your fingers just never recover. Mm. I hear that's better on the latter LTO versions, though, no? Oh, no, it's worse because they added compression. Oh, no. compression, the compression. So actually physical compression on your fingers as well. As well, yes, yes. <laughs> Poor design choice, but tape is heartless. It's true. Wow. Okay. You know, something else that's heartless right now is the market, particularly the investing market, to Intel, who's facing enemies on all fronts. Yes, they are. Whether it's whether it's storage, which they're getting out of, or memory they got they got out of, which is memory. I consider Optane memory, not storage. Yeah, I would too. So it could be so it could be used for either. You, they're they're uh, the whole issue with the fabs, which is a big issue. GPUs and the threats from AMD and others on the on the computational side. We got graviton and. Everybody's moving to the cloud. I mean, the cloud is growing. Not everybody's yeah. moving to the cloud, Henry. Everybody. It's uh, high watermark for the cloud is going to be about 17, 18% of HPC and maybe 20, 24% of machine learning. And Enterprise then, is a little different there's, story. There is more to life than HPC and machine right. learning. Yeah. It's there an economics more. thing. Yes, because it, it's, it's a security way. Ask ask the people at uh, Colonial Pipeline. It's also a security thing, Dan. Mm, I don't know, because the best security guarantee you have from the cloud is that they will, to use a phrase I used before, cheerfully refund your latest charges if it gets hacked. 
unless you've got a separate SLA in place that makes them put some skin in the game, which they're loath to do without a whole bunch more money. Dan, there have been no really public hackings of the cloud at this point that I'm aware of, except if they came in through the, the user themselves, but the cloud has not been hacked to the best of my knowledge. Uh, there's been a little downtime here and there, though. Downtime? For sure. is, that's is, true. I don't disagree with that. But anyway, that's not what we're arguing about. Um, Intel has had a rough time of it, and the most recent uh, bumps that I've seen are coming from their GPUs. And as we, we kind of discussed this in the pre-call, and Henry pointed out that Intel's failures in these products has been have been rooted in not building the ecosystem first. The best builder of an ecosystem has to be NVIDIA and CUDA because they, yeah. they seeded the market with cheap, cheap GPUs to academics, really got their OpenCL you know, off the table, CUDA first, CUDA first, CUDA first, and really and, that ecosystem. And they went out to the ISVs. They cherry-picked some leading applications in, in every vertical and GPUized them, CUDAized them, and they were off to the races after that. And, and what I'm and Dan, I think your point is they cherry picked it. They understood what applications, given their data locality, could run on GPUs, yep. and did not try to put a square peg in a round hole and they pound picked it. The right targets early and executed yep. well. And they had the right people to go pick those targets. And what I'm hearing on the street about. Um, Intel's GPUs, and this is consumer level stuff. We haven't seen Potavecchio yet, but that the drivers are a dumpster fire. And particularly really? for anything that's not breaking the, the new games and things that have not broken just in the last few months or so that might have some extensions built in. But it's not pretty. There are some horrible reviews out there and the thing's only available in china right now oh no they they announced this week that they are going to have prosumer or professional cards higher level arc cards that will be made available so you want to talk about cherry picking we're, we're going to start looking at intel binning things just for reviews and to get the professional cards out there to try and build the ecosystem the wrong way around but but as far as i know I don't think that they that they've done anything with Adobe, who's you who's who you would start with for the exactly. professional level cards. Yeah. There have been no announcements from Adobe that I'm aware of. Now I no, could no, be wrong. And, and, and more importantly, who's building the boxes? Is it Dell? Is it HP? Is it who is it? Well, that's interesting because I again this is rumor mill. I hear that. Some of these OEMs are taking a wait and see attitude towards this. What what the real problem is at the base of it is that it looks like they tried to take their integrated graphics drivers and apply those directly to the discrete card and found that that doesn't work at all. Really? Yeah. I was in an article you sent, I think, Henry. I know. It was shocking. But, oh, yeah, you were shocked. 
shocked and stunned. But and the other thing that at least we're seeing through our research is that, and actually AMD just announced this, that um, they have surpassed their 2008-2009 high watermark of 25% of the CPUs going out in the industry with their new CPUs, which have hit 26% market penetration. Wow. That's, Dan, a, that's you know a big, that's, big deal. Do you know that's 25% of boxes or 25% of sockets? Because one thing to keep in mind... sockets. And think how many two-way and four-way Intel boxes are out there versus the single socket, 1P, maybe 2P, but more rarely uh, AMD boxes. So you're, you're looking at much more than 25% of servers going out with AMD. Oh, but but I, I think, though... There are not a lot of, there are some massive servers that have gone out with AMD. But it's funny, there's not a lot of like two-way AMD workstation motherboards out there, for example. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that AMD is doing even better in the market. If they're comparing chips and you have Intel with two and four chips per, two and four sockets per server. AMD has one socket per server, so that twenty five percent is really a low, low yeah. estimate of of it's market a, penetration. It's, it's a huge capture on the desktop desktop professional type workstation, except the two ways, and a huge win in the top five hundred type servers. Yeah, big big win for Team Red. Big win, um, but I don't know. I if I remember my history correctly, and I do, uh, at this time when AMD hits this kind of thing, there is an awakening at Intel. And Intel came back hard and pretty much drove AMD completely out of the server market. There was TikTok. an awakening. There was there an was. awakening. It, it was, but... That's one data point in history, Dan. Uh, Intel's had a couple of near-death experiences, but you're right. I mean, it's the most recent of them and the one that's most analogous to what we're talking about today. But they're fighting on multiple fronts against well, they, your arms and your wrist fives and stuff. Yep. Go ahead, Ben. I was going to say we should really pour 40 on the curb for Optane. We, I don't think we did justice to Optane. Optane was a revolutionary technology that just never got the backing, didn't get the support it needed for essentially NUMA in memory in the Linux kernel or in Windows, and just couldn't be taken advantage of. It was a revolutionary technology much faster than going to solid state. And yeah. it's really sad. It's going out just as CXL is coming online where we're going to have massive rewrites of memory code to handle CXL, which is the decomposability standard that's that's being run. Open Cappy, lots of stuff is going into CXL. And just as Optane is sunsetting, everyone's going to be jumping on memory with different latencies. And, 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 yeah. and guess what? And ben, you're absolutely right. And what's the big thing that CXL did up front that never happened with Optane? They created an encryption standard for both the channel and the endpoints so that if you have uh, the future memories that are non-volatile or have less volatility, 
that you've already dealt with the encryption part. And there's so many people who are worried, whether you got PIA data or other kinds of data, that you have to encrypt these endpoints. Mm. And that was, in my opinion, was one of the big things missing in Optane. Well, and the big thing was that support for the uh, for the Linux distros and for Windows. Yeah, I mean that's again hardware before ecosystem. And speaking of Linux and ecosystems and Risk Five, to bring it back full circle to where we started a minute ago, there are massive changes coming in Risk Five support in the Linux 6.0 kernel, which is dropping in a couple of weeks. There's going to be PCI support. There's going to be lots of new risk architecture support. It, they're really building the ecosystem on the Linux side, similar to how NVIDIA went out there and just kept pushing standards forward and forward and forward. So I think we're seeing this open source, open hardware competitor really looking at how the big players have done it in the past and cherry picking the best methods for getting your software adopted. And as Henry said earlier, you know, RISC-V has no licensing fees. So whether it's Graviton or your hard drive or your phone, you know, the chip, manufacturers, the chip manufacturers will get better returns on investment. I doubt we're going to see any sales or any uh, lowering of the prices we all pay. But, you know, up the chain, their, their percentage markup will get a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting towards the end of our time availability. Uh, I forget. Anybody have a catch of the week besides me? I think, Henry, you're catchless. I'm catchless. Nothing in the net. What do you got, Ben? Uh, The register, we can drop it later, um, had a – was it the register? No, shit, it wasn't. Um, (laughs) See this first podcast and a major screw up right now. Yep. Yeah. A train wreck. WCCF Tech has a post mortem on the seven gigahertz Pentium Five. Um, things have come out <laughs> of the NDA. Uh, it was the Te- Tejas and Jayhawk chips, which were the seven gigahertz Pentium and original Xeon chips built on the Pentium architecture that would have run at seven gigahertz. And that would have been the successor to, was it Parowin? Oh, I can't. Nehalem? Nehalem? No, Nehalem happened. Parowin never did. That's when they went to, um, they decided they had to go to multiple core. Yeah, and and they went to the core architecture, and we got the most inane naming scheme ever for a while. Yes. And so we got to pour a little 40 out for that, too. Exactly. 7 gigahertz. Yeah. I don't uh, think you could use liquid nitrogen and cool that these days, but that's about it. And that leads right into my catch, which is me being MacGyver over the weekend on Saturday using my system just like a normal guy would, except we had uh, temperatures over 100 degrees outside. It cooked my liquid cooling system which was an all-in-one pumps going out to the attic. It was very elegant, ran nearly 24-7 for five years, then cranked out, so I had to scramble, get in the attic, MacGyver myself a little something up out of uh, some older pumps that I'd used before, new tubing, all of that, and I'm now back in the world where with the temperatures outside of 85 or so, I'm at 78 degrees C 
on my hottest core. So I'm happy. GPUs are being kept nice and cool as well. So I guess I just said that to kind of toot my own horn. Toot toot. Yeah. So what have we learned today? We've learned much and we've had a very successful debut uh, with Ben. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you. Much appreciated. Henry, thank you for being here. And Henry, I'll, I'll get that ready kilowatt bolo tie sent to you as soon as I can. Thank yes. you. Yes, but keep the lanyards. That You were the recipient of, I don't know, 50 or 60 old trade show lanyards from it me. Was, it was. It was amazing how many companies you've no, you're no longer with. I know. I know. Yeah. Go figure, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's go ahead and call that an episode of Radio Free HPC. Thank you out there for listening, and we will be back at you soon. I promise. Bye-bye. Boom. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. Reach out to us on email at podcast at Radio Free HPC or via Twitter at Radio Free HPC. As a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thanks again for listening.